In the writers, we're delving into the world of Geraldton-born, Perth-based, award-winning author Holden Shepherd for an instalment of the books that made me. He's a writer who's found huge commercial and critical success with his young adult books, The Invisible Boys and The Brink. Hopefully, there are many more on the way. In fact, uh, Invisible Boys is being turned into a TV series. So, if you're not familiar with it, it might well cross your screen before too long. Holden, hello, welcome to the books that made me on Nightlife. Good evening, Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me. Now, look, you're very welcome. Just tell us a bit about your story, because you grew up as a gay kid in Geraldton, population 40,000, um, just over 400 k's north of Perth. What was life like for you as a, a younger man in that small country town? Yeah, I have um, I have bulk affection for Gero, as we call it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very much still a country boy, kind of displaced living in the city. Uh, but, uh, yeah, growing up, it was... Um, a great experience in a lot of ways. You know, I love the laid back country lifestyle and um, I grew up feeling, you know, like I belonged in a lot of ways up until um, I realized I was um, same sex attracted probably around my teenage years. And then things suddenly got a lot harder because it was like, you're looking around and you go, oh, I don't see anyone else like me. Um, This is really beyond the pale and unusual for someone in this town. You know, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I should be in a city uh, so it's, things started to get a little tougher um, around the teenage years. And and th- that experience probably drove a lot of my creative work to kind of actually write about how it felt to grow up in that environment when you are, uh, you know, I grew up uh, pretty working class, working with dad as a labourer in, you know, earth moving. And you're Italian, you're Catholic. There's a lot of influences around you telling you uh, it's probably not okay to be who you are. Uh, so I had a hard time, but... Um, happily you know survived the experience and uh have gone on to you know i think build the life that i wanted um so holden what role did books play then in your childhood and then particularly these years as you're growing up and looking around and and wondering about your place in in the world in geraldton yeah books for me from a really young age were uh, a, a very real form of escape and probably dissociation you know just to to get um away from what felt a little bit claustrophobic at times and uh to withdraw into stories and and made up worlds made up characters i was often really drawn to adventure stories where uh there was a sense of found family you know people go on an adventure or a war together or something magical and and they're drawn together by these really close bonds and, and they can really rely on those friendships. And I think I've felt growing up that maybe my friendships and my bonds around me might be flimsy, you know, and especially once I found out, you know, I was homosexual, I was like, oh, okay, this might be, this might ruin friendships. This might mean people leave me. So reading about stories where very tight knit bonds were formed was a really um, nice form of escape. So um, I was an avid reader from about four years old and that kind of, remained until I was 18, you know, until I left high school, I was just absolutely absorbed in books. 
Now, um, the first book that you've selected to talk about is Tomorrow When the War Began by John Marsden. I was just reading that back in 2000, the Swedish government said it was the book most likely to inspire a love of reading in young people. It actually financed giving the novel to every teenage school student in the country, which is pretty amazing. So tell us when you found this book and what it meant to you. Yeah, Tomorrow When the War Began was a massive opening up for me as a reader and as a writer. And so uh, that's the reason I chose this as the first book. I read Tomorrow When the War Began, I think when I was near 10. So I would have been 14 or turning 15. And I remember being absolutely taken by it to the point where I was like, this series is the whole world, you know, <laughs> like, like this. I was just such a fan. I think um, because it's Aussie, because I was always drawn to those kind of adventure stories and war stories, um, it just had everything at once. The thing that I loved was that it was pacey and plot driven, but it was also really about the the inner lives of these eight older teenage characters. And that sense of kind of, you know, they became found family. They're trapped in this really isolated place. There is a war broken out. They have to band together to survive. Um, I absolutely loved the way it tackled themes in a really honest way. Like John Marsden wrote in a way that, um, you could tell he had lived a lot of the mental health stuff. And, you know, I probably read this around the time my mental health was starting to die. So I just really latched on to this book and it started to influence everything I wrote. So I was writing, you know, Pokemon fan fiction um, and things like that at the time, which is not literary in any sense. Um, but suddenly my, you know, my fan fiction stories took a turn and they became about battles and wars and teenagers banding together. Um, because it was so heavily influenced by Tomorrow When the War Began. So um, that book just really shaped how I probably write and how I think of uh, teenage characters. I related really hard to it. Um, And you can see the influence probably in my book, The Brink, which is my second novel that came out in 2022. Um, You know, you have characters on a schoolies trip who band together when someone dies in the middle of that uh, schoolies week. And so, you know, replace schoolies with a war and um, it's a similar kind of formula to Tomorrow When the War Began. Gosh, I'm sure a lot of young people might view schoolies as a kind of war too, to be uh, to be lived through and, and fought through. <laughs> yeah. um, Holden Shepard is here. And I'm interested in picking up that, that mental health, um, you were talking about the aspects of that that are in Marsden's book, because you're now a um, an ambassador with Lifeline WA. So how important is dealing with those issues for you? Yeah, I think um, what I found, uh, especially as a male, is that um, we we don't seek help very well and you know boys and men will sit there and struggle with our mental health in silence and then as as we know it's you know it's very very well documented and i think the awareness is pretty good these days that you know male suicide is at such a higher rate to female suicide and it's it's a huge problem for all the awareness raising no one seems to have really gotten a handle on changing it which is um kind of upsetting in a way um but but that's why it became so important to me one to eventually reach out, you know, I reached out to a support service when I was 19 and, and that probably um, saved my life. And then being able to kind of, you know, go to therapy and talk about going to therapy and um, healing and getting better, that became really important to me to not just do, but then to talk about and to normalise. And so I hope that my books, uh, mostly with male point of view characters, can kind of show that uh, for teenage boys, for, for teenagers of any age, you know, uh, gender, 
um, readers of any age, quite frankly, a lot of my readers are adults. I'd like to show that, you know, uh, boys and men are vulnerable and, and here's what we're going through and, and normalize those darker feelings and, and make people realize that it's really okay to talk about them and, and there's nothing to be ashamed of in being human. I noticed your website says when you found out blokes weren't meant to talk about feelings, you began to write stories instead. What kind of response do you get from some of your readers? I mean, I suppose you'd be hoping to reach some of those um, teenage male readers in particular. Do you get people coming to you and say, you actually helped me with, with some of the things I was going through? Um, I do. And um, I am incredibly grateful for it. And I'm always... Um, I'm always honoured by it because I've, I've, for most of my life, I've been the guy in the signing line, you know, going to saying, wow, I love your books or, you you know, this changed my life. And so to, to be on the receiving end over the last four or five years has been a real trip. Um, there's something within Invisible Boys, especially, I get, I get these messages about both books, but especially Invisible Boys that um, people really hard relate to that sense of being so ashamed of yourself that you want to die they they really this is universal you know it's not I, I i get messages from a lot of gay men but i get messages just from a lot of people full stop who know how it feels to just be like i'm just so ashamed of who i am that i don't want to be around on you know i don't want to be on the planet sometimes um and that's huge so um often um in my signing lines at, at events i was at the perth writers festival um last weekend um, and my signing line takes a bit longer than others because people will come up to me and they'll tell me their story or they'll tell me about their their gay nephew or cousin or, um, you know, I get guys come up to me who are still in the closet and they're 60 and they're like, look, I'm married and I'm in the closet, but, you know, this book really, really got me and I want to tell you and shake your hand. Um, that's really special. And all I can do is just sit there and listen to that person's story and know that uh, for whatever reason, because of the book that I wrote, they feel like I'll understand them and um, I'm really happy to do that for them. I've got uh, Holden Shepherd with me, who's the author of two books, Invisible Boys and The Brink. And I will just give you the lifeline number just in case anything that we've talked about raises some things for you. Uh, 13 11 14 is that lifeline uh, lifeline number. Um, let's just, I mean, you've had incredible success. I mean, Holden, not only are you having these responses at the signing line, which I would imagine would be the most gratifying, but you've also, what, well, the 2019 WA Premier's Prize for an Emerging Writer, 2018 Hungerford Award, shortlisted for the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards, named as a notable book by the Children's Book Council of Australia for Invisible Boys, and that's now being turned into a TV series. And then the Brink has a, a similar swag of awards. Uh, you must be pretty pleased with, with how this is all going for you. Uh, yeah, look, um, I'm really grateful for uh, the critical acclaim and the accolades. I think um, the the kind of the, the funny thing maybe about all of that um, is that I've never thought of myself as very literary or critically acclaimable. Um, so I, you know, I grew up writing, as I said, like, you know, um, Enid Blyton ripoffs, Pokemon fan fiction. Um, <laughs> I thought I would probably have a career like Matthew Riley, maybe, where I was writing um, more, you know, action adventure plot driven fantasy stuff. And, and I, uh, I really hoped for millions and millions of sales and I never, ever expected awards that just was not really you know I'm a bit of a bogan I'm country boy and I just didn't really factor into my plans so um getting those things often brings on a lot of imposter syndrome for me but um and definitely for the first few I remember kind of thinking 
maybe you know maybe only two people entered the award and maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe the other one was ineligible and that's the only reason I won um and it took a few a few things a few awards for me to actually get my head around that oh maybe maybe people really like my writing maybe it's actually it's not just plot driven and readable but maybe it's actually worthy uh so I'm very very grateful for that it was definitely not something I planned or expected in my career but uh I'm pretty chuffed about it uh Holden Shepherd is here you're on Nightlife with Suzanne Hill on this Friday night okay so we had tomorrow when the war began by John Marsden next on your book list is The Alchemist by Paul Coelho tell us uh, why you loved this book yeah The Alchemist is um maybe less of an influence on my writing, but the biggest singular influence on my writing career and my life. So I read this book, um, my geography teacher in year 12 um, had held this book up and said, this book's amazing. You know, one of you students should read it. Um, And I was like, okay, look, I'll read it fine, whatever. And so I've picked up this book and gone home. And I remember just laying on the tiles in the kitchen um, and because it was hot <laughs> in summer. Um, I just remember in reading Geraldton, this book just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have aircon until I was, I think, 13. So, you know, grew up laying on tiles and eating icy poles and running through sprinklers. Um, so I just remember, yeah, laying on these tiles and, and reading The Alchemist and just devouring it because it was this story about um, a Spanish peasant boy is a shepherd and he goes in search of his treasure. He has this dream that there's treasure hidden in Egypt um, near the pyramids. And he's like, I want to find my treasure. I want to go on an adventure and actually, you know, what if I actually leave and and seek it out? Um, And I remember reading this and just thinking, this is me. This is me. If If I really want to be a writer, if I really want to leave home and move to the city and pursue my dream, uh, this this could be me if I believe in myself enough. And the whole book is essentially a parable about following your dreams and self-belief and how important it is. Um, I reread this book so many times over the years, especially in my 20s when I was, you know, failing over and over, getting rejected over and over. And you do start to feel like, well, maybe a career as a writer isn't for me. It's not going to work out. And I would come back to The Alchemist every time and just reread it and go, no, do you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep following my dream. Um, because eventually it'll work out. And if it doesn't, then I, you know, if I spend 80 or 90 years of my life trying to get published and I don't, well, that's still a better life than just doing a job that I don't want to do. So it inspired me to to pursue my dreams. And uh, I don't think I would be here doing what I do if I hadn't found this book. Is this right? You still work as a labourer, which has been, I assume, the job that you've been doing on and off since you were doing it with your dad back as a kid. I've, I've, uh, I do still uh, work as a casual labourer. Yes, I, um, I've dipped in and out. I've had all kinds of odd jobs and careers over the past kind of twenty something years. I think I, I started as a storeman in a supermarket um, when I was about fourteen. Um, and then, yeah, I worked with dad as a labourer. I've done a whole bunch of things. I worked in a bank for a while, which did not suit me. Um, I worked in uh, a university when I was studying. Um, and then, yeah, I've gone back to labouring. I basically, um, when I was juggling a writing career and trying to juggle an office job, it was just doing my head in. I couldn't handle having to to be kind of cerebral and at a desk at every point with, you know, with two different hats on. Um, so I just went back to labouring. So I do a bit of labouring um, in a timber yard um, when I need some cash and uh, also did some labouring for a brickie last summer, which um, 
when you're 35, I don't recommend. It's definitely, it's a job for 18 year old blokes. Um, but when you're 35, everything starts to hurt when you're standing in, you know, 45 degree heat, mixing mud. Um, that that was uh, uh, an adventure for sure. Uh, Holden Sheppen is here. So Holden, I know your next um, two books, uh, I, I guess they, they fit in the, the realm of, of books that are written by gay men and tell gay stories. Uh, so how important was it to you to start to reach out to read those kinds of books when you were struggling with your identity? Yeah, so I the next two books, I, I think I discovered roughly around the same time. So I was I did a, a bachelor's degree in uh, writing and French, and then I went on to do honors in writing. And so I was starting to, I was starting to actually explore uh, my own life creatively, I guess. So the first thing I ever got published was a short story called A Man, which was about an earth-moving labourer, which is what I was doing in my summers. Um, I was going back to Jarrow, working as a labourer, and then coming back to the you know the tutorial room and the lecture room. And feeling like a, a, you know, a fish out of water. I felt so weird in those spaces. Like I didn't belong in higher education. I didn't belong in the arts world. It just felt very foreign. And I ended up learning at uni to, you know, write what you know, like put put yourself on the page. So I've started writing about a labourer. And then once I came out um, as gay, I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing about this. So. Um, I was working with my uh, honours supervisor and, you know, starting to write about gay stuff and gay sex. And she's like, okay, like, have you done your reading though? Like, have you read similar stuff? Do you know about this? Do you know about that? And, you know, I'm not super well read as much as I escaped into uh, a lot of books as a kid. A lot of it was uh, kids and YA stuff. I didn't read a lot of literary fiction. So uh, this was my first foray really into that when I was kind of at uni. And so I've read these books and, it was just, they're both on the list because I couldn't choose between them, to be honest. Um, they just influenced me so much. So we've got Holding the Man uh, by Timothy Conagrave. I know there's a new production about to start at the Belvoir Street Theatre in Sydney. So this is a story that has been told in a lot of ways um, at various times. But tell us about you know when you first read it and what it meant to you then. Yeah, I so Holding the Man by Timothy Conagrave is the first book that ever made me cry. Like I, I'm I'm a happy crier. Like I'll cry when I, you know, if I win an award on stage or if something goes really well in my life or if I'm laughing, I'll cry. But I don't tend to, I don't have a lot of like sad crying. And um, I remember reading this book and just sobbing. Like I was just devastated. Um, I think it was the first kind of gay thing I read. And I there's so many levels to this but I could see myself and my boyfriend at the time who's now my husband um I could see ourselves in this story and I was just going oh my god you know it's a tragic story and I would never want to lose my boyfriend you know I hope nothing ever happens to him and and you're reading that for the first time and I'm like god is this how straight people feel when they like watch the notebook or you know (laughs) is this how I'm supposed to feel at all these you know um it was just it hit so hard when it was gay men and um there was also the element of you know Timothy Conagrave is a very very talented writer um but he's writing about John uh from memory his name is John um the partner and he was like a footy player in the 70s and 80s or whatever and I just remember thinking that is so freaking cool like having a footy player who's gay like I've never ever seen this in my life and I grew up supporting the Commonwealth Football Club I you know love watching footy and I just remember thinking oh I like 
I'm allowed to do this. Uh, like, because of this book, like, I'm allowed to do this. I can even write about it if I want to. And uh, that's what my honours thesis started to turn into. And in fact, the thesis kind of evolved into Hammer's story in Invisible Boys that, you know, let's have a gay footy player. What does that look like? What pressures does he go through? And then the other book is Loaded by Christus uh, Tolkis. I'm not so familiar with this. What's the story of it? Yeah, Loaded, I read um, at a similar time. I can't remember which of these two books came first, but both heavily influential on me as a gay man, but also just as a writer. Um, Loaded by Christos Chokas is, um, it's so it's so gritty and, and dirty and sexy, which is why I was drawn to it. Um, basically, it's a, I think it's a very short time frame. From memory, it's 24 hours, but I could be wrong because it's years since I've read it. Um, but it's spent in the life of like a 19-year-old uh, gay Greek boy in Melbourne. Ari is his name. But it just was totally like subaltern in the way, like it was grungy. It, it showed all the dark, seedy sides of the homosexual experience in a way that I had lived. You know, I'd done all these things. Uh, well, not all of them. <laughs> Let's not go there. But I'd done, I'd done, i done a lot of these things. I definitely dwelled in a lot of these kind of spaces. Um, and but I'd never seen it written about. Definitely not just put out there in the world and published. And I was blown away. I remember just thinking, "Holy hell, I'm allowed to do that." You know, Christos could do it. So, so that means I could do it if I want to write about this. Uh, so that 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 willingness to go there sexually and in terms of you know sex drugs rock and roll all of it uh that was really pivotal for me in opening up my voice as a writer because you know you go in writing something you're writing about the gay experience after reading say holding the man you're like okay i'm allowed to write about love but there's still sacred cows there's still things you feel like you might not be allowed to get away with or that straight audiences will not accept and loaded was just a giant middle finger to all of those norms it just said well this is what it's like so that was written in 1995 or published in 95 from memory and i just remember writing in the 2000s in the 2010s and just thinking okay like well what am i not allowed to say now what what have i lived that i feel ashamed about that i shouldn't because it's it's just sex it's just it's just what homosexual men do uh so i really use this book as a springboard to have no sacred cows to write about the homosexual male experience uh, without a filter and uh, readers, you know, definitely, definitely respond to that. There is a reason why my book is often held up as like the anti, the anti heart stopper or, you know, the anti red, white and Royal blue um, with no offense to the authors of those books, which are very kind of fluffy Disney rom-com kind of versions of, of the gay experience. I mean, that's lots of people love them and that's great. I actually watched Heartstopper and I quite enjoyed it to be honest. Um, but my books uh, do something very different where it's, it's showing it more as it is. It's raw and it's real. And uh, that resonates with audiences. They want to experience and read about their own lived experiences, the parts of themselves that they hide in shadows. They want to see that on the page. Because of all of this, Holden, do you tend to find that your audience is predominantly those those gay males who may or not may or may not be comfortable with where they're at, or do you do you get sort of a heterosexual young men also reading those books and relating to them? Um, I have had I do have some straight uh, straight guys reading the book, uh, but predominantly it would be you know um, gay men would be the biggest demographic for sure, um, and then you know certainly straight women. Um, 
I I think as well there was a sense of when Invisible Voice was written and, and no one really knew how a book like that would land in the market. Um, but there was a sense of like, okay, this is upper YA, you know, 15 and over kind of readers. Um, but the reality is, and I was just chatting about this to um, a film producer the other day uh, who was talking about this in the context of um, movies and TV. Um, you know, there was the sense that like, if we get this into uh, young people's lives while they're going through it, that'll help them, which I think is very true. So I get stories from high schools and libraries where they'll be like, oh, you know, we had this, you know, this boy in you know, year 12 and he's 17 and he was going through it and he was acting out. And then, you know, we went into the library and we found him in a beanbag just reading Invisible Boys nonstop all lunchtime. And and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Because when I was 17, I was reading Secret Men's Business by John Marsden and just being like, I need to know. Like, I need to know um, all this stuff about life. Um, so I know that it reaches those boys. But um, often I find that younger gay men are, they're still going through it. So my bigger audience is when guys get to their late 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s and start to reflect on what they've gone through, reflect on their life, reflect on their identity. That's when they come to these books and that's that's when they're ready to kind of sit with the pain of it. Um, because, you know, when you're going through it, it is still kind of painful. I'm I'm kind of saddened. To, well, I am saddened to hear that, Holden, because you. I think you know from in some perspectives, you feel like it should be okay. Young boys should grow up, or you know, women going, you know, whoever I want to be, it's okay to be that now. But from what you're telling me and the feedback you get, there is still that sense that it is different, and it does need to become to, to terms with if you're homosexual. Yeah, I think this is a, a conversation I come up with uh, uh, a lot is that uh, people imagine that, yes, we're progressive socially in this country now, so we can get married, which is very, very good. We fought very hard for that. Uh, but there was the sense of like, okay, that solves it, or that, you know, just once you've come out, well, that solves it. And often we carry a lot. We carry a lot of shame because those silent teenage years, you know, uh, we're not born into the minority that we belong to usually. So, you know, we're not gay men born into families of gay men who can then show us how it goes and, and you know, make us feel like this is very normal. We're typically born into heterosexual families and we're kind of sitting there going, hang on, hang on, something's not right. So as much as our families might ultimately be accepting, which is very, very good and we've progressed a, a long way, um, I think, I think I don't know, I, like I could be wrong, but I think universally, you know, ever since the dawn of time and probably from now until the end of time, there will always be some level of difficulty or trauma with coming to terms with who you are in yourself. That's that's often the biggest battle is working out who you are and where you sit on that spectrum of am I gay, am I straight, am I bisexual, you know, where do I fit? Um, the societal acceptance is a different kettle of fish. So I think that internal battle is always going to be something that people struggle with that might take years. Um, I do think younger generations tend to face it earlier now, which is probably good. I think they will suffer less. Um, but I do think there is always going to be a sense of othering and being different. You know, I think from what I see from a lot of young gay men is that um, they're accepted, but they're still othered. They're still seen as like different to normal men or, um, you know, you don't quite belong and that's okay, but you don't quite belong. And I would love for my work to shift that in some way if my books and my stories and and my presence can kind of show that well actually we really do belong and, and there are there are lots of gay men who don't fit the mold 
um, then I will feel like I've done my job. Uh, Holden Shepherd has been my guest talking about the books that made him. Just finally, Holden, we've got The uh, Invisible Boys being turned into a TV series. When when can we expect to see that? Um, I am sworn to secrecy on so ah. many parts of this at the moment, Sudan, <laughs> but uh, I, I can say that uh, I'll definitely be singing about it uh, from my social media accounts uh, whenever I am allowed to. So um, if people are keen on finding out more, definitely just um, follow me on the socials and um Oh, when you know when there's stuff to announce, we'll announce it. But um, just in general terms, it is incredibly exciting. It's so cool um, to have a book, especially a book like this. You know, a dark indie gay book um, getting you know adapted for screen. Very very exciting. So um, stay tuned, and when I can share more, I definitely will. Hey, Holden, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for being here on the books that made me on Nightlife. Thank you heaps, Suzanne. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, That is Holden Shepherd. His books are Invisible Boys and The Brink. Nightlife with Suzanne Hill on ABC Radio.